Welcome back, everybody. The Sons of Saturday. We are on the air uh, from the blue waters of the Chesapeake Bay to the hills of sunny California. We got Grayson Wimbish out in L.A. We got Billy Ray Mitchell in ATL uh, by way of Oxford, Mississippi. And this is Pat Finn coming at you live from the DMV in Arlington. Got a little bit of a got a little bit of content for you guys here over the next uh, you know hour, maybe less, maybe a little more. You never know with the Suns uh, when we press record. Uh, we want to talk about uh, Justin Fuente. We want to talk about recruiting. We want to talk about the Mike Young era. Get your popcorn ready. And we also have a special guest at the end of the episode, uh, Miss Desiree Velez, the 2019 Homecoming Queen. We love Beth Barnes, and she's our homecoming queen, but Desiree is the real homecoming queen. We had her on, and uh, she was a very great guest, uh, so you guys will enjoy that as well on the tail end of the episode. To kick things off here, and also to preface, we have a, ha- ho- we have a hokey haiku from a, uh, a friend of the pod, Brendan Caffrey. And uh, we're actually going to be skipping letters from the lunch pail today because he submitted an entire letter that would have taken up an entire lunch pail to the Suns, Suns of Saturday podcast at gmail.com. Brendan had some hot takes. He had some feedback from our most recent episode, and uh, he had some thoughts and a haiku, and we want to we focus some attention on how awesome this letter was. So if you guys ever have any thoughts for the Suns that you want uh, to be you know, broadcast out on an episode that might be too many characters for Twitter, go ahead and ring us up, sonsofsaturdaypodcast at gmail.com. But uh, a couple takeaways here. But first, we'll begin with the haiku from Brendan Caffrey. Mike Young is my dad. We are a basketball school. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like that either. Popcorn is ready. You know, solid haiku. Definitely a little bit controversial, but a solid haiku. So to highlight some of the things that Brendan sent in on this letter from the lunch pail, uh, mention how big of a basketball guy he was. Now, uh, we've been going back and forth for a, a long time now. He's a huge Mike Young guy. He's tech of basketball school now. No, we're a football school and a basketball school. I'm going to stamp that as well as Bill and Grayson. Um, but one of the questions that Brendan had submitted was, what is the new standard of good versus great for our basketball team? So going into the season... We were, you know, thinking, okay, like maybe maybe we can go 500 and that'd be a good year. You know, win, go like 15 and 15, win half of our conference games, um, you know, probably less because you never know how the ACC is going to be. But now we're 12, uh, we're, I guess we're 13 and 5 and the expectation from a good year to a great year has definitely changed. Billy Ray, what do you, what would you consider a good versus great year? Where are you going to draw the line, you know, since we are... We you know we're four and three in conference. We're thirteen and five, and uh, it's been a good start so far, despite a, a tough loss to Syracuse yesterday. A wise man once said, "Never to underestimate the power of young people." And um, I will say, I I did underestimate the power of our young guys, and I think most people did. And barring a catastrophic fall from the sky, this year has been a resounding success. Uh, I like to look at it as I think we should have our sets our sights set. On uh, finding a way into the tournament, making some new noise in the ACC tournament, but um, 
with the success and the growth that I've seen from our team so far, I think that the tournament is definitely something that is attainable um, and something that we should definitely be honing in on and um, and uh, wanting to wanting to make happen. Even even hating Joe Lenardi has us in his brackets right now, so um, just got to keep that train going. Mike Young is making quite the case for himself to potentially becoming ACC Coach of the Year mm-hmm. in his inaugural season. He would join the company of one Justin Fuente in doing so in his first season in Blacksburg. And I don't know. I mean, there's ACC. The ACC is the perennial powerhouse in in college basketball. There's a lot of great coaches in the ACC, but right now. With what he's done, with what he's got at this point, I think Mike Young's out in front. So we'll see what happens with that. I completely agree with that. And uh, despite yesterday's loss at Syracuse, I mean, you, you have to kind of just zoom out. Uh, you know, not all of us love that last that last uh, play that was run. I know that probably was not intended to be a thirty footer. Uh, you know, pulling up from the logo with four seconds left when you got a couple guys open under the rim. But at the same time, I mean, this has been a really fun ride to enjoy. Uh, John Rothstein tweeted out that Mike Young is a, you know, a potential candidate for Coach of the Year. And while we're still waiting on a John Rothstein-ism, a.k.a. a, a Rothstein tweet after every victory by Mike Young, um, it's been pretty impressive so far. Yeah, so you know, for me personally, I think good versus great. If we finish up, uh, you know, ranked uh, in the top six in the ACC at the end of the year, I think that's a great year. I mean, that means we are contending for a first round bye in the ACC tournament. And I mean, if we if we're a top four team in the ACC, it should be considered a lock. Other than I think it was like the the 2008 or the 2010 team uh, from Tech that was finished up fourth in the ACC and actually did not go to the tournament. But um, yeah, it, I mean, it's been very impressive. So on to some of Brendan's takes that he wanted to serve us up. VT is a hashtag basketball school. Uh. I disagree with that. Tweet us, tweet us, and tell us your opinions on that because uh, I'm going hashtag football and basketball school. This is in response to our uh, our food takes from last week. Soy ginger tacos from Cabo is a top five meal in Blacksburg, and Krabby Patty from Sharkies is arguably number one on the list as well. Love the Krabby Patty. The fact that we did not mention Suvlakis during our conversation of best lunch. Or late night spots is a sin. Wow, I that feel is like true. I feel That's like I true. didn't I didn't get it around to having Slovakis until um, I had one too many rails my like in between my junior and senior year. So I I, I got introduced to Slovakis very late. I think it's a very underrated late night uh, late night spot. They should they should be open later, and I think they would get a lot more business. That that's what I have to say about that. Honestly, Suvlaki is a, it's a Blacksburg staple. I mean, that place was there, geez, probably since my parents were at Virginia Tech. You go in there and get yourself a late-night gyro, and their fries are actually – they, they put the fries in with the gyro in this aluminum foil, and it keeps them scalding hot. So you're, you're exactly right. We didn't bring up Suvlaki, but I guess – I mean, I, I didn't. I definitely did not frequent Suvlaki nearly as much as I did, say, one 
DP Doe or Benny's, which actually leads us to our next point. Um, he's not a big fan of uh, not a big fan of Benny's. It would appear. What, what verbatim he said? Let's see. Benny's is garbage. <laughs> guys got a good taste. Guys, guys, a good guys got a good palate for uh, for pizza. What can I say? Am I right, Pat? Now I'm not hating on Benny's. Beth, Beth Barnes would say ben, Benny's is a novelty. You know, it's it Instagram pizza. It's cool. You know, it's very cool. But you know, some people have different tastes. And then the last take, Red Robin is trash. No, uh, back, no, I Outback disagree. is the best restaurant in Christiansburg. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. I love that, Outback. That, that that is a hot take and a half. <laughs> Outback has a real. I love their wedge salad. I love their pumpernickel bread. Um, I their do butter. not love. Oh my gosh. The pumpernickel bread is great, um, but it is not the best restaurant in uh, in Christiansburg. That is just, you know, that's that's nonsense. We got Red Robin, one. You got uh, Golden Corral if you're super hungry. You got um, freaking uh, Sakura. And, I mean, there's it's up there, but it's not the best option in, in Christiansburg. I mean, what, what, what are we talking about? All I right. Mean- I mean, I I, I kind of I'm, I'm with you on that, Bill. I do not think Outback Steakhouse is the best restaurant in Christianburg. Maybe the farmhouse is, but uh, really kind of depends on who you ask. There, I don't want to stir the pot. Christiansburg also has uh, Christiansburg has the buffet KFC. So what are we talking about? I used to go there and and almost put them out of business all the time. So that's also in Christiansburg. I'm gonna put. I'm going to put a bow on this and say that the best Christiansburg restaurant is IHOP. Now, um, thank you, Brendan. Appreciate the, uh, the submission here. That's awesome. Back to the basketball. Uh, just a recap of this past week. Uh, you know, had an awesome win at Wake Forest earlier in the week, uh, 80 to 70. Tyrese Radford with a double-double and a posterizing dunk, which was so incredible and we were you know really in control of the whole game um come back to the syracuse loss yesterday uh you know very tough mm-hmm. but the guys hung in there you gotta take your uh, tip your cap to buddy Beheim, who had 26 points and uh also had 18 straight at one point for the orange the uh the boys came rearing back at the end of the game here and uh, you know, brought it within seventy to sixty-nine. Wabisa Beatty had some awesome uh, field goals down the stretch in the second half. Uh, you know, just taking uh, jumpers right ahead of the free throw line, hit a clutch free. Obviously, he missed the free throw, but I mean, you know, a lot of growth to come from this team. And uh, we got who we got next. We got Carolina mm-hmm. on Wednesday. Pat, before we move on from the from the Syracuse game, just want to chime in. I mean, I think you made a great point that. It was kind of miraculous we were even in a position to 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 try to win the game there. We uh we we didn't get as many points as we typically get from Landers Nolly. Um we were down big at the end and it really was grit and that team clawing, forcing turnovers, taking good shots and forcing bad shots uh to get back into the game. Um but uh, you know, on that last play, I would have loved to see us attack the rim. Uh 7 seconds is a long uh, a good bit of time, and anyone that knows anything about the one three one, the way you attack that is getting the ball to the free throw line, um, which we did do in the second half to uh, to some great success, but didn't love the final shot. Uh, just have to keep in mind though that it was you know 
miraculous that we were even in a position to be in a one score uh, score ball game after the way that we had played for the majority of that uh, that basketball game. Mike Young completely owned the uh, end of the ball game in the post game press conference, which you also love to see. Um, would have been really easy to throw a young guy under the bus there, but he didn't. Uh, Coach Young is a man of the people and does not underestimate his people and does not throw throw estimate his people under the train estimate. Um, that didn't work, but that's not what happened. So uh, Mike Young sticking up for his guys in the post-game press conference. Wednesday night, we got Carolina coming to town. Should be a hot game. All the students will be back. Stamp that. Can't wait to see Castle jumping up and down. And we got a little giveaway going on. We got we got two free tickets that we are going to be giving away, courtesy of our friends at PMSI. That's Pest Management Services Incorporated. Serving Blacksburg and the New River Valley. Serving Fairmont, West Virginia, Westminster, Ashburn. And uh, hit them up. If you, got, if you got creepy crawlers crawling up and down your countertops, all around your house, call PMSI today. They will get the job done. And look out on Twitter. Engage with them on Twitter. We will be giving away uh, two tickets to this Carolina game for free on Twitter. That being said, we have a lot of footballery to talk about. The offseason in Hokie land is always chock full of content, no matter what day of the week and day of the year it is. Billy Ray, talk to me about Justin Fuente. We did an emergency podcast last week because we were we were freaking out. I mean, we didn't want to lose our guy to Baylor and we wasn't sure we weren't sure what was going on. Everyone was saying that, you know, he's all but gone. Like he he just needs to sign the contract. Don't believe everything you read on the internet. Rule number one. Rule number two, support our guy. Billy Ray, take it away. Yeah, sure. So what I think this what this really comes down to is, yes, it was an extremely stressful time. Um, as soon as that tweet went out um, at the beginning of this entire uh, fiasco here, the way that it was worded and the way that it came out made it apparently seem much more uh, mature and down the line than it really had been. Even in our um, when we had done our podcast, I had assumed that Coach uh, Fuente was in Baylor. Uh, which was obviously incorrect. Um, and, uh, you know, they do say you should not assume. So I, I assumed it. Um, but what it really comes down to is everybody got really upset that uh, a man decided to listen to another school. They came to Blacksburg. And, again, I can't, I can't stress how lucky Virginia Tech is to have someone like Whit Babcock at the helm here handling this entire ordeal. Um, the fact that he really only did this press conference to appease people freaking out about something that really wasn't that much of a big deal. I think it was more so a lot of noise from the outside. Um, the fact that combined with the kids not being on campus, combined with the kids freaking out about it because they weren't able to communicate with the coaches, combined with the fact that nobody really knew what was going on. And then, as you can see, the story matriculates itself. We have all these people on Twitter uh, who say that they know more and apparently are you know, very close to the situation, even though they may live in Richmond, Virginia, and have 15 followers. They you know, were in Waco or, or have some connections to the athletic director at Baylor, or saw on the message boards this, saw on the message boards that. So you know, we always have to be weary of these high-stake, uh, high high-quality uh, leads here. Um, but in all seriousness, Mr. Babcock, Mr. Babcock came out and addressed it. 
Coach Fuente, um, I have always known for a fact, loves being in Blacksburg, wants to succeed here. I, you know, there's no way around it. I want nothing more than to see him succeed here in Blacksburg. Um, and he's here, and, and, and we're rolling. We're rolling right now. We're, we're back on the recruiting shale. We're working hard. And um, that's kind of what I took from the whole situation. I guess the only, uh, the only thing it was was a roller coaster of emotions because I didn't want to lose my guy. Here are my conclusions on this. Fuente is checking out an option because, let's be real, it is a great opportunity. And you know, there's folks that don't think Baylor is a better job than us, but if you if you go to Baylor and you go on their campus and you look at their football facilities and their stadium and you see the recency within the last 10 years and you kind of got to say, yes, Baylor is a better program than us right now. I mean, they've won more conference championships than we've won and they play in a better conference top to bottom. You know, that's honestly just a fact. Uh, you know, people freak out and they say, honestly, some of these people were saying absolutely terrible and unwarranted things about Coach Fuente from behind their keyboards. Witt steps up and he's the hero again. And, you know, it, it hopefully it sends a message about Virginia Tech being more supportive, uh, you know, maybe throwing some more resources to football and... I don't know if it's saying sending a message, but um, I just think that from where we are now, January 19th, 2020, we have to move forward. We can't look back on this. I know people want an explanation. I know people want Fuente himself to address the media. I don't think it would hurt for him to get up and say, you know, pretty much exactly along the lines of what Witt said, because, you know, Fuente's first media appearance, he's going to get hammered with Baylor questions. But... At this point, it, it's just time to move forward. I mean, we got Tap and Tearlink just pillaging up and down the state of Virginia right now uh, on the recruiting trail. TNT, shout out Matei Sis, the original, uh, the original coiner of the phrase TNT. There's a ton of negative people out there, and honestly, just stay away from negative people. They have a problem for every single solution. And they're looking for drama. They're looking for reasons to just complain. And don't give them any attention. So, that said. Honestly. closing uh, thoughts? It's, it's been, it's been, uh, it was a heck of a 36 hours there. What, I guess, Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, but the bottom line is Coach Fu was staying in Blacksburg. I mean, I was as afraid as anybody, and one might point out, oh, Grayson, last week on the podcast, you said if he doesn't win 10 games next season, then you wanted him gone, didn't you? Yeah, I said that, and I stand by it. But I, you guys got to understand, I am ready and willing to give Fuente another chance in 2020. Like, I like Justin Fuente. I think he's a good coach. Uh, I think the players buy into him. I, I really do mean that. I'm not fabricating anything. Uh, Bill loves him. Any any player that I've heard talk about him has nothing but good things to say, give or one or few, but you don't hear about them because they were toxic anyway and they had left the program. So I was afraid, yes, because the timing of of all of this, would it would have been very unfortunate had Coach Fuente left to go to Baylor, given what's going on that right now with recruiting and the facilities coming up. And there's just so much at stake. And this is the, the absolute worst time of year to not have a head coach. 
especially when you've just hired your entire defensive staff, brand new. Like when the when the news broke that he was kind of weighing the Baylor job or whatever, he, news had broken probably t- two hours before that we had made the final hire with our defensive backs coach for the defensive staff in 2020. So the timing was, I mean, we had every every right to be nervous, every reason to be nervous. Bottom line is, I would like a little bit more of an explanation about what happened, um, but I don't think we're going to get it. I, I think Witt did what he had to do, and that's what we're going to get, and that's what we have to roll with, but uh, Fuente is staying. Okay? What would you like more clarification on, just out of curiosity? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. I just... I don't know. I maybe I, I want what Pat wants. Uh, I kind of want to hear it from Fuente and not hear it from from uh, with Babcock. Uh, I would like to hear Justin say, "I'm here. I'm bought in. I love Blacksburg." It would be nice to hear him say that. Uh, I get it. Wit has to to as the AD has to kind of shield him and say, you know, Justin's not Coach Fuente is not a not a very outspoken person he likes to be private with that kind of stuff okay i understand that i get that but uh this is a big deal it's me you gotta you kind of gotta be transparent if you're not 100 percent committed you're not 100 percent committed so now it seems as though he is and he's staying so i have no gripes but it would be nice it would be nice to hear it from justin over hearing it from wit so that's that's my only thing I'm excited for 2020. I think we have a lot of talent coming back. So, boys, that leads us, I guess, into our next um, discussion here. What with with Damon Hazelton just entered the transfer portal? He joins Dalton Keene, who is going to the draft, and uh, Deshaun McLeese, who is going to the draft, for three superstars on the offense who have uh, now decided to either – Go to the NFL or leave the team and, and pursue uh, another opportunity elsewhere. So I guess my question for you, you guys is, with that being said, a lot of people were freaking out about the Damon Hazelton uh, transfer portal thing. I don't think we need to be worried. I mean, what are y'all's expectations in, in 2020? Kind of how do you see things playing out? What would you like to see play out? The so. Same- Go ahead, Pat. Hazelton, Hazelton is gone. McLeese is gone. Keen is gone. Those are obviously three very important pieces to our team this past year. But you know, you have to think of it big picture, and you have to thank McLeese. You have to thank Hazelton. You have to thank Keen because they laid it out there for us, and uh, you know they were great Hokies. James Mitchell is going to be a problem. Uh, you know, Pinkney and Jane Payo, they're going to be problems. Darrell Simmons and Elijah Bowick, they're going to be super problems <laughs> before trade Turner went out there before Tavian Robinson went out there. They didn't have any experience. They busted out onto the scene as freshmen and they made their mark and they were able to do that. And just because these guys who, you know, are behind Hazleton haven't had an opportunity to do that yet. Um, yeah, they're unproven, but, uh, who's to say that they don't do the exact same thing or even flourish more. And then, you know, McLeese and Kenya, you know, we we've went over, um, you know, who's behind them, too. This is Fuente's year, man. Like, this is 2020. This is what everyone's kind of been building up for a long time. 
we should have a, a great quarterback. We should have a great wide receivers room. We should ha- be great as far as offensive line. I mean, we get Brock Hoffman coming back. And uh, as far as expectations, like, yeah, it, sh- it should be the year. Like, that Penn State game, if you're not circling that game, if you're not saying, hey, the Penn State game, the Carolina game, and the U- uh, the UVA game, I mean, those three, if, if we win all three, like, this is going to be monumental for the program. And... I just think the chips are aligning for this year. I really do. Uh, you know, the defense is only going to be better since everyone's returning aside from Reggie. And uh, I mean, yeah. And just one thing that I want to say before um, you know we get off this topic, but since Hazleton's in the portal and people like to jump up and kind of freak out, um, he he caught a lot of touchdowns. He had 16 touchdowns over two years. And he was super effective in the red zone. But, I mean, this guy also, like, he wouldn't go across the middle. And he wouldn't block downfield. Like, he would never block downfield. Uh, there's a couple plays if, that you can look back on that Georgia Tech game where Keyshawn King was robbed of a touchdown because Hazleton was missing his assignment. Um, and to that point, uh, don't be surprised if someone else enters the portal after Hazleton. Like, he's probably not going to be the last guy to enter. And just expect that's going to be a happen. But, uh, you know, off of this tangent, Bill, what are your expectations? I think he nailed the uh, hit the nail on the head there. I think the positions that we've seen departures, we have done a good job of becoming, uh, of having great depth there. And I think that has to, you have to tip your cap to Coach Fuente and the rest of the staff for recruiting well enough to where we do have talent that backfills. I mean, think about how catastrophic it would have been to this team a couple years ago if an Isaiah Ford enters the transfer portal or a Wyatt Teller enters the transfer portal. Think about how kind of very thin our positions were back then. So we're in a position now where players, if they leave early or if um, if they decide to go find greener pastures or search for greener pastures, um, we have the ability to backfill those positions with talented individuals and um even have other individuals compete for that one spot like they will at the wide receiver uh, position. So I think that's a huge testament to um, to this team, the culture that we've built, and the recruiting that we've instilled. Um, moving forward, uh, I do think that every year we kind of do this funny thing where we say, hey, like, look at our schedule. Like, it's really easy. There's no way we shouldn't win 10 games this year. Um, but this year we have a really talented team. And we have a real opportunity here, I think. Like you said, the stars are kind of lining up. Penn State coming to Blacksburg is the most important game that's happened in a very long time. And this team is positioned to be really special. Um, I think um, I think the team is motivated. I think the team, more than anything, wants to win for one another, um, which is the case for most great teams. I think this team loves each other and wants to do really well. And um, regardless of the situation, regardless of who is coaching, um, was ready to attack this year and knew what their uh, what their ceiling looked like. So I'm really excited to see them compete over the spring, really excited to see them get better. Um, but I think 10 to 11 wins is definitely attainable and should definitely be the, uh, the expectation moving into 2020, barring catastrophic injury or, or unforeseen circumstances. But um, that's, that, that's what I foresee in our future for sure. No, guys, I uh, I agree with all of those things. Pat, one thing I do want to touch on that you talked about was 
Uh, I saw some people on Twitter after the Hazleton uh, announcement that he was entering the portal. who were freaking out. Oh, my gosh. Like, our wide receivers are going to suck next year. We're not going to have anybody to throw to. Um, do you know who Trey Turner is? Have, like, have, have, have you seen Big Play Trey play? And the thing is, again, Pat, you alluded to this as well. You... People are all worried about experience. We don't have any experienced receivers. Well, Trey Turner didn't have any experience his freshman year, but he was one of the star players of the 2018 team. It was like, who knows what's going to happen with that next year with Pinckney or, or Payute or uh, Bullwick, whatever. You name it, They any, any one of those guys could be a breakout star and fill those shoes that Hazleton left the the clown size clown size shoes that Hazleton left behind. Um, like you said, Pat, I mean, he th- didn't really block downfield. He didn't really go across the middle. He was a corner fade receiver, a very talented one at that. Very talented. I mean, I could see him doing big things at the next level. I think Damon's a very talented wide receiver. But anyone who's worried that our receiver core is going to be screwed next year is needs to cal- calm down a little bit it's you're gonna be all right you're gonna go go eat your veggies and, and lighten up a little bit and you're gonna be all right um i think you guys know my expectations next season uh it's 10 wins or bust man it's i really i really i'm gonna stand by that i'm gonna stand by that like i said i really like justin fuente a lot but this is it man like you you gotta you gotta do it you got to get those 10 wins. I don't care if that 10, 10th win comes in the bowl game. But my my thing is, and I'll keep this short, you win anything less than nine games, anything less than nine games, I think he's got to go. I, I've said that before. I'm going to stand by that. Anything less than nine wins next season, he's got to go. So we're going to move on from that. But that's I'm going to say that and stick by that. Uh, so anyone catch, catching me slipping on that perspective, you know, call me out or whatever. But, um, Pat, you wanted to talk about some uh, some guys in the transfer portal not leaving Virginia Tech, but who might be coming to Virginia Tech. So I'm going to let you uh, go ahead and take it away here. Quincy Roche is the number one player in the transfer portal. He is a uh, defensive end grad transfer from Temple University. He hails from Randallstown, Maryland, and he's a 6'4", 235-pound defensive end. And this man uh, this man was tied for seventh in the country last season uh, for sacks. He had 13 sacks. He had 36 total tackles and uh, just was an absolute beast wrecking havoc the entire year. Now, we need pass rushers. Like, we... We're not necessarily deep at the position. We don't really have pass rushers who are becoming a Corey Moore-esque or a, uh, a Daryl Tapp-esque or a Jason Worlds-esque problem for quarterbacks. And elite defenses need those types of pass rushers to be able to apply the pressure and force bad decisions and you know force interceptions. Quincy Roche, this guy is unbelievable. The rumors were that he was on campus this past weekend. He had a, a good time at the basketball game. And uh, it, it's really going to come down, I think, between uh, Virginia Tech and Miami. I know Texas was kind of in the conversation, 
But uh, you know, I'm hoping over the next 48 hours or so we hear from Quincy because uh, he could be you know another piece of the puzzle here, um, you know, on this Virginia Tech defense. Another guy that uh, that has been thrown around a little bit on Twitter and the boards is Xavier Kelly. Kelly entered the transfer portal last week, and he's a defensive tackle from uh, from Clemson. This guy's six four and three oh five. Big boy on the line, and uh, you know, cracking that that Clemson uh, defensive line depth chart can be tough. Uh, so it looks like you know Xavier Kelly is looking to kind of make a, uh, a name for himself on another roster, um, you know, after this year. But he could also be a big body that we need back there, um, you know, as far as defensive tackles go. And then uh, just. Another guy who was on campus this weekend, DJ Lundy. He is a uh, he's actually an athlete from Georgia, six foot two twenty five. Um, you know, no lines lines up on both sides of the ball, and Coach Shebus had him in this weekend. But uh, no, he had a fantastic visit. He's a twenty twenty guy, so uh, could be an addition to the class. But um, yeah, you know, we we like to talk about the transfer portal and how detrimental it can be to us, but it also can reward. So. If we can, if we can nab Quincy Roche and Xavier Kelly, um, you know this could be a, a very, uh, a very effective thing to kick off the 2021 class and uh, you know be additional or last minute pieces of the puzzle here to this 2020 team. Pat, Bill, one more name that I just wanted to yeah. uh, to float out uh, in the transfer portal um, is Obi Obialo. Uh, he's from Marshall. I have not heard anything about uh, him being connected to Virginia Tech or interested in Virginia Tech. All I know is that he's six foot three and two twenty. And um, with Hazelton leaving, I do think the wide receiver position is very uh, has a lot of depth. But I'd like to get another um, another taller, bigger, physical receiver. Um, and I just saw his name pop in the portal on the Twittersphere, and I'd, uh, I think he'd be an interesting uh, an interesting player to explore. Um, not sure if Tech is interested in uh, in in Obi or what his uh, connection with Virginia Tech may be, but just floating that out there as well. Would be a a great pickup. This guy had a has had a great career at Marshall. Um, not to be confused with Obi from Dayton, who uh, plays for their basketball team and definitely gave us some uh, some stomach aches and some headaches around Thanksgiving. And then, Bill, give us the rundown on uh, on this last guy in the transfer portal uh, from Houston. Yeah, so De'Ara King, you may remember him. He walked into. Dana White's office and said, hello, Dana, welcome to Houston. I'm redshirting this year. Um, he is an extremely talented player, uh, extremely fast, um, was part of that great Houston team a few years ago. He has committed to Miami and is starting classes on Tuesday. So, I mean, it's kind of crazy how quickly this stuff uh, this stuff happens here. Um, with Daz Newsom going back to UNC and De'Ara King going to Miami, um, the Coastal is getting stronger by the minute, so... Um, would definitely want to snag some of these names out of the transfer portal as well on our side. Um, but uh, teams are getting better across the coastal. It's not. Uh, it's not just us. And I yeah. believe, Bill. I believe, Bill. You meant to say Dana Holgerson, not Dana White. That's right. That's right. With... Sorry, I was thinking yeah, about the UFC fight last but... night. Thank you, Grayson. <laughs> of course. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure that we Damn. were. I was like, "Wow!" Yeah, <laughs> nobody's walking into happened. nobody's walking into Dana White's office and telling him if they're redshirting or not. Yeah, I was about to say, I don't think the NCAA would like that very much. No, they would not. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Coach Holger, Coach Holgerson's a weird dude, but uh, yeah, Derek <laughs> King, man, like he would probably emerge as the favorite right now as Miami starting quarterback next fall. 
Um, that being said, you never know with Miami. Everyone thought that Tate Martell was going to just be uh, be a force to be reckoned with at Miami this past fall, and he really did not uh, do that at all. So we'll see. But, yeah, the, the Coastal is getting more talented. Like, you know, we lose an electric playmaker like Bryce Perkins, but here we go with De'Ara King. Moving on. The football arena is over, and it's time for the wrestling plug because we got a plug this uh, this past weekend. Hokey Wrestling crushing our opponents. We beat Binghamton 47-0 with the shutout. And then uh, we we wrestled Cornell today, who's ranked 19th in the country, and we beat them 23-9. to So just a couple quick highlights from you. Uh, Joey Prada, BC Laprad, Hunter Bolin, Stanley Smeltzer, and John Borst all came away with victories here. And, I mean, these guys are rolling. These, are, these guys are absolutely rolling. We got Carolina on Friday night at the Castle. Carolina is ranked number 13. So uh, it'll actually be the sixth ranked opponent we play this uh, this year, and the Hokies are undefeated. So pretty wild. But one of the things that we really want to talk about is how you can watch this seven o'clock p.m. Friday night on the ACC Network live from Castle Coliseum. Wrestling team, man, this is a uh, this is going to be a special year. You know, we're ranked number three in the country. A lot of potential. Recruiting is just on fire right now. So uh, a lot of good things there. A couple other things uh, as, we, as we wind down here, Pat. Um, the H2 Okies got after it and beat uh, the University of Virginia this, uh, this past weekend. And the women's basketball team got the job done in front of a good crowd. And David Cunningham made the trip. Surprise, surprise. Good on him for keeping us in the, keeping us in the loop. Um, but uh, shout out to the H two Okies and the VT women's basketball team for handling their business. Um, shout out to the, good job by you. Love that, guys. We're winding down here. We got Desiree's interview coming up here. But uh, before we go, last any last minute shout outs, Gray. I know you might have some. Bill, I know you want to shout out your guy CP. I have to shout out. I went to Oxford this weekend to see Coach Partridge introduced at uh, Ole Miss at halftime of the LSU uh, Ole Miss basketball game. Ole Miss is a, I tell you, it reminds me a lot of Blacksburg. It's one of those towns, a lot of these SEC schools are in are in cities that would exist without, uh, without the school, like LSU, like Georgia, but Oxford has a very Blacksburg feel where if, uh, where if, Ole Miss doesn't exist. Oxford doesn't exist. So um, definitely going to check out a few games there. But it was great to see him. And great to see Kadeem C. throwing down some dunks for Ole Miss. Um, so a lot of connections to Ole Miss. I know my pops is fired up. He played there late 70s, early 80s. Um, so we're all excited for Coach Partridge. Would have really liked to see him in maroon and orange. But um, <laughs> this powder blue gear is fire. So shout out, uh, shout out to Coach Partridge for sure. I think this week is a uh, shout out to uh, my YouTube channel. One time, uh, go go check <laughs> go check me out on YouTube. Uh, it's just Grayson Wimbish. I'm putting out a new uh, video today. Actually, today being Sunday, so by the time this episode drops, it will already be out. Uh, it's a little video, a year in review of living in Los Angeles. So if you kind of want to hear me talk about that, go check out that video. Another shout out is 
Of course, we got to shout out Billy Ray Mitchell. He will be in La La Land next weekend, baby, and I am excited about that. So when we record next weekend, if we record next weekend, when, whatever we decide to do there, um, he will be with me, and that's going to be awesome. I cannot wait to, to show Bill around La La Land. And also, shout out to Desiree Velez. Uh, you guys are going to love this interview coming up. It's going to be so, so awesome. Um, she absolutely crushed it and so we had so much fun talking to her uh pat do you have any shout outs yeah shout out Bijan peters happy birthday had some fun uh last night Bijan was actually one of the uh, one of the guys that helped the student hockey club get off the ground uh, a couple years back shout out to some of the guests that we have coming on over the next few months here uh, we got some sweet guests prepared for the suns and uh, you guys are really going to enjoy uh, who we are going to be bringing on the podcast. And it's then great. shout out Sharky's Wing and Rib Joint, where good friends go on Main Street. This next interview by Desiree is brought to you by Sharky's. Go get yourself a Long Island iced tea. Go get yourself some cheesy fries. And get yourself one of those California burgers that we love talking about. It's a hamburger with avocado, but uh, it's pretty and good. ranch. You cannot forget the ranch. And the ranch. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks for joining us, and enjoy this interview with Desiree. Take care. All right, guys, today, thank you for sticking around, by the way, but we have a very, very special interview um, today on the Sons of Saturday podcast. This one has actually kind of been a long time coming at this point. Guys, we have... The 2019-2020 homecoming queen herself, Desiree Velez, on the Sons of Saturday today. Desiree, how the heck are you? And welcome to the Sons of Saturday. I'm so amazing. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for introducing me. Absolutely. And I was telling I was telling you guys before we started recording, uh, Pat is here with us as well. Bill had to check out a little bit early today, which is totally fine. Um, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm not worthy to be in this conversation right now. I literally am in the presence of royalty right now, uh, a homecoming queen and a homecoming king. And then there's just me. And, uh, I don't know. This is, this is kind of awkward, but it's also like really, really cool. You guys are a big deal in, uh, in homecoming court lore. So, um, let's go ahead and get this thing started. We have uh, we have some questions for Desiree, um, Pat. Like, how exciting is this, man? Like, le- like this is this is one of your people right here. One of your your homecoming royalty members right here. What is this like for you, man? This is awesome because it's really great to get to meet some of the. Uh, I guess I feel like I'm getting old over here, but uh, you know my my uh, homecoming. Uh, was in 2016 when I was a senior, and uh, we're already in 2020 now. But uh, meeting, uh, you know, royalty like Desiree and bringing her on the Suns is uh, a true spectacle and a true honor. And uh, thanks so much for for making uh, making us a part of your day here, Desiree. Yes, thank you. Absolutely, Lots of tradition. Yeah. Yes. No, it's great. I I wish I could be in in this club that you guys are a part of, but maybe maybe. <laughs> Uh, my time has already passed, whatever. Um, <laughs> so question number one for you, Desiree. Who is Desiree Velez? Who is 
the 2019-2020 homecoming queen? You know, to be honest, I have never been asked this question. So seeing that this is going to be the first question gave me a little bit of anxiety, but I think the biggest part about me right now at this point in my life is um, I really try to use my privilege to help those that aren't as fortunate um, and being have the opportunity to be a Virginia Tech student and have a great platform and opportunity like homecoming. Um, it only has given me more purpose uh, with my education. Love that. That's that's incredible. Um, and I know that that's like a very broad question, but I, I feel like right. you, you learn a lot about somebody by just kind of asking them, who are you? Who are you? <laughs> who yeah. are you? Um, <laughs> so I guess when and why did you decide that you wanted to run for homecoming court? I, I know that that's a very, very big undertaking. What was that process like? What made you want to do it? Yeah, sure. So um, I've been at Tech for all four years, and I guess beginning as such a large school, it's quite intimidating. Um, not only the amount of students and how much tradition and culture there are with being a Hokie, um, there's just so much opportunity. Um, and I didn't realize homecoming was so absolutely spectacular, and there's so much opportunity within that, not only winning and having a platform, but also the people that you meet along the way. Um And so basically, uh, later on as a senior, um, actually my junior year, they first asked me to run for homecoming. um, And they had never had someone run for our organization, let alone for a lot of the minority organizations no one has ever run. Um, But for Latin Link, like the Latinx community in general, they had never had one and they kept asking us, you know, we've never had someone from the Latinx organizations. Um, Of course, at first I said, oh, heck no, like that's way too much work, you know, especially the senior, you know, I'm trying to enjoy myself and take advantage of every little last um, moment that I could have. Um, And so, of course, the first two times I said, no, you know, it's a lot to put on my shoulders and a lot to handle. Um, But eventually people started saying, you'd be the first Latina, like it's a great, you know, name to carry and a great way to graduate. Um, And then everyone was kind of like, we have your back through it all. So if you want to do it, if you want to make a difference, go for it. And finally I said yes. Well, that is incredible. And you actually answered my my follow-up question, uh, which was what cause or organization did you wish to help bring a voice to through the homecoming court process? And you said it was Latin Link. So tell our listeners exactly what is Latin Link? So Latin Link is the biggest Latinx social organization on campus. It's completely student-run. There's no national funding. So we're still relatively small and trying to grow. Um, so it's it's grown to be more than just a student organization, but it's almost been a community for students who don't have that sense of home, like a lot of students have at Tech when they start. Um, so we really put an effort to make people feel included, and not just Latinos in general, but also the different communities that want to learn about our culture and be a part of it. Awesome. Pat, uh, I know you have a, a question for Desiree as a fellow homecoming court member. Take it away, man. Absolutely love my experience on homecoming court. And uh, Des, like like you mentioned, the people you meet throughout the process uh, is is so much fun. And, you know, there's uh, you know, at least when I did it, um, we had eight king and eight queen candidates and every single uh, candidate had a different platform and, you know, 16 different ways to uh, exemplify the principles of Ud Prozum. Uh, tell, tell us about, you know, what you're looking to do to carry out your duties as homecoming queen here. I saw a little bit of uh, rumblings 
I think on the Twitter sphere or around social media uh, that your event's coming up pretty soon. But tell us about those big plans that we should all know about. Yeah, sure. Um, so actually, one of the biggest parts of my campaign was part of my motto was with knowing comes caring and with caring comes change. And I kind of meant that in two ways. Um, you know, by educating yourself on the Latinx community and the underrepresented groups, um, you learn about what it means to make them feel at home, and therefore you can make your fellow Hokies also feel at home that are from different places around the world. But also, um, it comes with climate change, and um, if you educate yourself more on the effects it's having on, you know, our Mother Earth, you'll understand what little things you could do to really make a difference, and educate yourself that, and hopefully make a change. Um, but specifically, I really wanted to engage like the student body of Virginia Tech. And so last year, they did the big plant for the first time last year. And they planted, I think, 6,000 trees um, in the New River Valley area. And this year, they have set a goal for 15,000. So it is a lot of money to go into that. But we're having a fundraiser on February 2nd. And then the big plant is on February 29th. So we're kind of in the process of funding for it and hopefully getting as many fun as uh, volunteers as we can for the events. That's amazing. All hands on deck. And we'll definitely uh, we'll definitely help you guys try to promote that um, over the next uh, couple of weeks here. Now, obviously, winning Homecoming Queen is no easy task. I know that a lot of campaigning and a lot of conversations and I'm sure some uh, late nights and early mornings and uh, yep, <laughs> a lot of know. stress in between. Yeah, Um, But, you know, obviously it sounds like you're very passionate about this. What did it mean to you to have your name called at halftime uh, at the homecoming game on October 19th? I'm sure you get this, but the anxiety you get on being on the field at that time with that many eyes on you, especially at such a huge game where usually it's packed to the rim, you know, Um, you're prepared for the worst and you're prepared. Okay, you might hear someone else's name and that is okay because everyone has a great, great platform and everyone you meet along the way has done so much for something they're so passionate about. Um, and, you know, initially, like I said, I was the first Latinx candidate and I was like, there's no way. We're way too small, you know, especially as a, um, you know, primarily white institution like Virginia Tech. I thought, you know, I'm doing this for a good cause, but it's not to win. It's just to raise awareness, you know? Um, and my dad actually walked me on the court and the whole time, like, Desiree just keeps smiling, like, don't worry about it, you know, be your best self. And when they announced my name, I, I was in such shock. And you kind of like black out for a second and you don't realize what's happening. And then my dad like shook me and said, they said your name and I had to walk <laughs> up and almost started crying, but it was a incredible moment. Well, I can say, um, so for, for the Suns, uh, listeners out there, my little brother Hampton is, uh, is a pretty good homie of Desiree's. They actually studied abroad together this past summer, which I highly recommend. I never did it while I was in college and it's probably my biggest regret. Uh, and my little brother, when Desiree's name was called, was freaking out, like going ballistic, just, it was so cool to, to see one of Hampton's like really close homies, when homecoming queen it was awesome because i'm pretty sure if i'm not mistaken des um hampton was in your promo video uh i I think he was in it so for him it it meant the world um and so that was so cool to see and i was stoked for you and i didn't even know you i was like oh heck yeah hampton's friend like it's homecoming queen let's go i'm that's sick (laughs) so uh that's that's awesome but um i guess uh, another 
question that that I have for you is um, being a homecoming queen. Who is who is your biggest inspiration in life? Who was something? Who was someone that you have always kind of like looked up to? It doesn't have to be a relative or anything, or it could be like somebody famous, whatever. Who would you cite as like a really big role model in your life? Uh, for me personally, you know, um, I think I've had a long journey of trying to figure out what I wanted to do and why I want to do things, for example, like what makes me happy, like what I want to do for the rest of my life. I think it's always been a hard question to answer, especially because I'm so young. But I think just like anyone else, my parents have a big part of that. Um, we don't have a lot of family in the States. A lot of it is still, a lot of our family is still in Puerto Rico and they, left their family to give their kids the better life, to give them the opportunity of going to an education like Virginia Tech and the opportunities that it's given me. Um, so I really admire their sacrifice and how much they've given me and my brother to be successful academically, professionally, and even at a social level. Um, so yeah, definitely my parents. That's awesome. That's a great answer. Now, like I def, definitely relate to that. My mom and dad are my heroes, Pat. I'm sure you feel the exact same way, man. Oh yeah. Uh, um, but yeah. that, I guess following up to that more, uh, outside of family, if you could have dinner with one person dead or alive, who would that person be and why? So this is a tough one. This is a great question though. I, I do love it. Um, but actually, I recently, you know, because I've tried to learn more about outside of myself and, you know, the influence people have. And this might be a little bit out of our realm, but back in the day, there was this guy. His name was Pedro Albizu Campos, and he was the first valedictorian person of color of the Harvard Law, of the Harvard Law School. Um, and after that, he went back to Puerto Rico and basically used his education to give more to the people than to himself. Um, and he did a lot. And he sacrificed a lot and he had a lot of fights, um, you know, with the government, with the people and doing things for the greater good. And I think getting to know where that inspiration came from and what where his purpose was from would be really cool to learn about. Very awesome, Des. That sounds like a, a super cool story, um, you know, for the folks down in Puerto Rico. Now, um, a question I had, you know, because Homecoming 2019 was one of the most memorable homecomings of all time. I mean, you had a six overtime game and it was just absolutely crazy. And you think that, you know, you getting announced at halftime was actually going to be halfway through the game, but it was not even close to being halfway <laughs> through the day. Um, we got a question for you because uh, if, if you've been listening for the, uh, to the Suns for a long time, you know that, uh, you know, we definitely have some opinions about the students and if they like to stay for the whole game so we gotta ask did you stay until the end of the game yes uh okay now okay till the, what it was supposed to be the end of the game that's so i did not so, stay for the six overtimes you didn't stay for the six no <laughs> i know that's i know a that's a shame well, okay but pat you know that's a long day you have the parade in the morning at you know 8 a.m <laughs> and then you gotta keep going by that time you just need a nap you know, that's you fair. Know, that's fair. You're not wrong. Okay, thank for thank me, you. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're for me, because, and here's the thing, like you had a three, it was a three thirty game. So the parades at like, I think before nine and then you got all day, like you want to see some people before the game. People want to see you, you know, in, thank in your you. sash looking, you know, dressed up, um, hanging out with other folks on the court. 
and then you're stressed out the entire first half. You get you get on the field, they announce you, and you're just like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. This is like so wild. And then uh, <laughs> for for me, we were beating East we were beating East Carolina by like 30 points at halftime, and I was just like. <laughs> hanging out and uh, i was like yeah this is cool like i didn't even need to watch the rest of the game because uh you know we were up by so many points it was kind of just like hanging out in lane stadium but not like attentively focused this was a, a little different for you we can definitely uh say that in fairness to you for uh for this case <laughs> so pat i actually have a question for you what did you do for your homecoming winning in 2016 yeah so um in 2016, my uh, so my sponsoring organization was the German Club. Uh, shout out to all the folks in the German Club, alumni and current members, and uh, tailgating at the Manor on game day. But um, my platform was mental health awareness. My uh, my slogan was finding health with sorry finding hope with Finn. And uh, you know we had an awesome campaign. I'm um, kind of like a, you know you're not alone. There's always someone to talk to. There's you know a lot of resources. Um, you know, mm-hmm. please understand that, you know, you don't, you don't stand alone, um, you know, with any type of mental health issues. We understand that, you know, it's a very tough thing to talk about, but, um, you know, starting a conversation, opening up conversation is very important. And, um, it was cool cause we had a, we had a speaker series at the end of the spring semester of 2017 at the German club Manor. And, uh, we had four awesome speakers, um, Alicia Everett from VT Rec Sports, Dr. Scott Geller. Uh, from the psych department at Virginia yeah. Tech, who is absolutely the best. Uh, he does actively caring for people. And then uh, a very close friend of mine, Ryan Hopkins, um, also came and spoke. And then uh, one of our beasts on the offensive line, Austin Cannon, uh, came and spoke as well. So it was a uh, an outstanding event and uh, you know, got a lot of great support through it. And uh, I think we, we truly made an impact, too, which was really special. That's incredible. That's awesome, Pat. Thank I have you. a question. Uh, so I flew in for that game from Los Angeles, and uh, it was so incredible. It was actually my birthday weekend, six overtime. That was a that was a great episode after that game. Yeah, for those who remember <laughs> that 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 was, that was like a two hour episode because we had to break down each overtime. But um, Des, they the marching Virginians played a certain drum riff. Uh, on your on your birthday, they played "Stick It In" on the day that you won Homecoming Queen. I don't know if you heard it at all, but what was what was your reaction to that? Had you ever heard "Stick It In" before? Okay, I knew where the tradition came from. Okay, I knew that the T-shirts were not just a saying; they came from a tradition at Tech. So, and I know it hadn't been played what in over a decade. Over a decade, yeah. that's right. Right, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. No, I think the whole experience of the homecoming game, you know, you have Ender Sandman and then you have Stick It In. It was uh, it was surreal. It was surreal to be a part of that tradition and uh, something new coming back. It's like that's a crazy memory. They literally played Stick It In for the first time in, what, 12 years, the day you won homecoming, Queen. And that's the only time that now they've played it since. So... You lucked out is all I got to say. Yeah. That that day, October 19th from here until eternity is a good day for you. I just want to just want to say that. You <laughs> yeah, not a lot of people got that luxury. Uh I, I mean unless they were in school in 2007. Shout out to the 2007 <laughs> homecoming king and queen or whatever. So uh, 
But yeah, so our yeah. final our final question for you is if people want to hear more about Latin Link or learn more about Latin Link and Desiree Velez, where can they find you on social media? And uh, how, how would they go about doing that? Yeah, so we're actually pretty live on Instagram. Um, it's Latin Link of BT, and we also have an Instagram account for uh, my campaign, which is Earth Day with Des. Um, it's a W, not the with. Um, and also on Facebook, of course, through Latin Link as well. Awesome. Well, Desiree, yeah, thank, you. thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we really, really do appreciate it. This has been so much fun uh, getting to know you and, and talk to you, the the real homecoming queen from 2019-2020. Shout out Beth Barnes. There was, some, there was a little riff. <laughs> there was a little riff on the Twitter machine that was like, Beth Barnes is not the real homecoming queen. It's like, yes, we know <laughs> that. We, know, we understand that. Uh, so we actually we actually had to reach out to the real homecoming queen. We still love Beth Barnes, but and we we had to, to to talk to you, and it's been so much fun. So we really do appreciate yeah. you doing this, guys. Um, thank you for listening, and uh, we will catch you next week. Does anybody have any shout outs? Pat, do you have a shout out? Des, do you have a shout out? Anybody at all? Shout out to Latin Link. Shout out to Latin Link. There you go. Uh, go Hokies, and we'll see you next week.